ask you today, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 has been our keynote verse all throughout the month of July. We began July, I think July 1st was kind of our, our liberty, uh, you know, 4th of July uh, emphasis. And so we began a series about the liberty of God in our life. And we were calling it Taking Our Stand. Everyone say, take your stand. Not take the stand, but take our stand. Uh, and uh, it really has to do with, with, with positioning ourselves in some very important places in life and establishing ourselves. You know, when the Bible talks, and it's, gosh, it's really throughout the Old and New Testament about the importance of being steadfast and taking our stand for Christ in many different areas. Uh, you know, it has to do with being firmly established and stationary and unmoved in our life. And, and uh, so that's what we're, we're focusing on because, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll, you'll fall for anything. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, I've been encouraging us all to memorize this verse. Let's read it together this morning. Paul the Apostle said this to the Galatians church, to the church in Galatia. He said this, let's read it. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. One more time. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Now, we've been learning that there's three important things about this verse that we need to digest today to help us be able to take our stand uh, where God would have us stand fast in. The first one is Christ has set us free. Somebody say amen. How many of you appreciate the fact that Jesus Christ came uh, and, he, and he lived a sinless life and he died on, on Calvary's cross and was buried in a borrowed tomb and rose again the third day so we could have liberty from sin and death and the devil. Somebody say amen. So we have freedom in Christ. That's something we ought to celebrate. But then the next thing we see is this. It's possible to be, get all tangled up again. That's what Paul was warning the church in Galatia about. In fact, this is what happened in that church. They, in fact, uh, Galatians chapter 3, says, he said, Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, if I started calling you all those kind of names, it'd be hard to grow a church. It's already hard to grow a church. But if you start calling the people that you're preaching to foolish, uh, you know, you've got to be careful with that. But Paul, he, you know, he said, foolish Galatians. And basically said, how do you think you can begin this life in Christ in the spirit and then continue on in the legalism of the day and, and in the lust of the flesh. You're tangled up again. You got all tangled up again. And so for us today, if we could embrace anything about that even, is it's, it's very foolish of us to think that just because we, we are Christians and, and we've given our lives to Christ, that if we're not careful and if we don't take our stand, we could get all tangled up again in things that we thought or that God set us free from. So Christ has set us free, but it's possible to get all tangled up again. And so therefore, number three, we've got to stand fast. Somebody say, stand fast. Tell somebody around you, we've got to take our stand. Come on, tell somebody, we better take our stand. We really should. You know, uh, Thomas Jefferson said this about our nation's liberty. He said, eternal vigilance is the price for liberty. In other words, we've got to stand fast. We've got to, we've got to stay on watch. We've got to stay on task. We can't, we can't put it in neutral. We can't put it on cruise control. We've got to stand fast, be stationary, unmoved, firmly 
established in some key areas in our life. I've shared with you three important areas where all of us must take our stand in order to maintain and progress and, and cause the liberty of God to pro proliferate in our life. The first one was this. We've got to stand fast in the Spirit. Paul told the Galatians, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You won't be tangled up again in the yoke of bondage. And then we talked about taking our stand and standing fast in the Word of God. How many of you know the Word of God has great liberating power in our life? In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 8. He said, if you continue in my Word, talking about the Word of God, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall what? Know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. So we've got to stand fast in the Spirit. We've got to stand fast in the Word. And then last week we talked about an important part of our liberty. We must stand fast at the place of prayer. We've got to be prayer warriors and not prayer warriors. We've got to stand fast and be people of prayer. Not just people who pray, but people of prayer. And people who stand fast at the place of prayer. Liberty follows them everywhere they go. In fact, I'm reminded of Peter in jail when he had he was been thrown in jail because of his witness and testimony and ministry of Christ. The church, the Bible says, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And an angel of God visited him, woke him up in the prison. He was so at peace with God, even in the prison, that he was asleep. And the angel had to shake him to wake him up and get him to get out the, the, as the gates just supernaturally open. You see, prayer brings great liberty in our life. And so we've got to stand fast at the place of prayer. And now this morning, I want to talk to you about a very important topic that certainly dovetails and interlinks and intertwines with all these things I've been saying. But it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, and it is this. We must stand fast in faith. Everyone say, stand fast in the faith. And this 1 Corinthians 13, 16, or 16, 13, pardon me, is a phenomenal passage of Scripture that Paul's closing out his letter, his first letter to the Corinthian church with this, this I just love this. This is like a declaration. This is like a, it's, it's like a general giving orders to his army to, to encourage them in the battle of life. He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let's say it together. Come on. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Here we go. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. I love that. That's what we need sometimes. You know, some people, you know, think we just somebody rub my feet and get, make me feel better. Sometimes we need somebody to get in our face and say, come on, you better stay awake. You better watch. You better stand fast in the faith. You better be brave. You better be strong out there. Amen. Amen. Whew, I'm feeling better already. I didn't know I could preach so good with this funny little t-shirt on this morning. But we need to stand fast in the faith. And that was the issue with the church in Galatia. They had lost the understanding and the priority of their faith. In fact, I mentioned it a few moments ago. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Let me just show you this important insight that what Paul said about them in Galatians chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of what? Faith. And we know in Galatians that he's, he's, he's hammering them 
about the fact that you've got to you've got to walk by faith that that you are sons and daughters of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on, "Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many of these things in vain if indeed it was in vain?" Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And so what's he trying to do to get this church back on task, uh, to not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage and not get back into the, the, the fleshly indulgences and the legalism of the letter of the law? He's trying to get them back to the core of their, of their Christianity, and that is the faith of God in their life. And so what's he trying to do? He's trying to get them to to reposition themselves in a place of faith and confidence and trust in God. Did you get this by the works of the law or by faith? By hearing the word of faith and faith was birthed in your heart and you believed God and you became his children. That's how you got here and that's how you get there. Amen. Everyone says by faith. And so such an important thing for us to understand today and I want to give you some thought today. And In fact, let me tell you where we're going to end. I'll tell you where we're going to end before we end. We're going to end by talking about fail-proofing fail your faith. To where you, like Jesus told Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. There's some things we can do that will fail-proof our faith to where we can stand fast in the faith. And so that's where we're headed. But let me just kind of break it down for you this morning. Uh, let me tell you about standing fast in the faith it has really three important aspects uh, that you and I need to embrace in our life. Three important aspects of faith that keeps us strong in the faith, keeps us steadfast in the faith. And here they are. It's what we hear, what we say, and then what we do. Everyone say what we hear. Everyone say, what we say and what we do. Those three things are hugely important about positioning your fa- yourself in the faith and remaining steadfast and standing fast in the faith. You know, when you think about what we hear, uh, and we're going to kind of break it down a little more, but let me just kind of give you the oversight. We think about what we hear. You know, when I remember being in vacation Bible school and, and Sunday school, and we would sing, be careful little ears what you hear. Why? Because what we hear can end up in our hearts. I think of the, the children of Israel back when, when God was trying to lead them out of Egyptian, lead them out of bondage into liberty. And they came up against the, uh, into the promised land and they sent uh, 12 spies in there, not to see if, but to see how. Because they already had a promise that this was their land. But 10 of them had a misunderstanding about their responsibility. It's not to go in to see if, but just to determine how. And they went in, and of course they saw the giants, and they came back, 10 out of the 12, had a bad report, and then began to spread the bad report. And only Joshua and Caleb had a good report, but, it, but what these people heard so invaded the children of Israel's uh, psyche, and it set up in their heart. It says they, they wept all night, and they complained to God, and they said, it would have been better if you would have killed us in the wilderness, or in, in Egypt, if we'd have stayed in Egypt. You just brought us out here to kill us. What happened? They got some bad reports in their ears and it produced within them 40 years of wilderness wanderings. In fact, all those who did that, they didn't even make it to the promised land. The old had to die out so the new could go in. 
And so you understand what we hear is so very important. And then what we say. You think about them in that day. You know, Caleb got up and he realized, "Uh uh-oh. It says he tried to quiet the people. And he says, we are able to go up. Let us go up at once and possess this land. But it was too late. They had heard the bad report and they allowed it into their, into their mind and it dropped down into their heart and doubt and fear and desperation and suicidal tendencies. And then murderous tendencies came upon them because the next thing they wanted to do was stone Joshua and Caleb. How many of you know it doesn't take you for long to go from the hero to the zero? When people start doubting God in their life, they'll start looking at you as a person of faith and they realize the conflict and the quandary of their life is not matching up. Here's a man of faith and here I have, we're, we're people of doubt. We can't deal with this. And so what they heard and what they said began to affect what they did. You get it? But on the positive side, and that's what I want to talk to you about, what you hear, what you say, and what you do will move you to a new level of stability in your life if you'll, uh, if you'll yield yourself to these three things in a very important way. So here we go. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about hearing the word of faith. When we open ourselves up to hear what God has to say to us. In fact, did you know our ears and really our eyes are gateways to our heart? It really is true. What you hear, if you open yourself up to hear things and you begin to allow them into your inner person, it affects who you are and they're gateways to our heart. In fact, remember when Peter was preaching under the anointing in Acts chapter 2, the people began to listen, they began to hear, and all of a sudden, faith dropped in their heart because how does faith come in our life? By the hearing of the Word of God. And Peter's preaching and it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? It dropped faith in their heart. And you and I have got to position ourselves if we're going to stand fast in the faith where we are always open to hear what God is saying to us. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Jesus was always saying to people, he said this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, we've got to open ourselves up to a place where we let the word of God make a big difference in our life. That's why Paul was talking to the Galatian church there. Galatians 3, did you get this by the letter of the law or by, the, by your natural man or by the hearing of faith? How many of you know we've got to open ourselves to hear what God has to say to us? Our ears are the gateway to our heart. Faith comes by the word of God and, 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 and we hear what God has to say. Now, we think of the devil and we think of, you know, let me tell you something. The, the devil's biggest deal with you is not to get you to do something stupid. Just like, oh man, I made a stupid mistake. I went out and sinned, the big sin. Now, he loves it when you do, but his first priority is to get you to doubt God. What did he do with Adam and Eve? He got them to doubt God and to doubt the Word of God because he, he put a question mark in their life about God's Word. He said, hath God really said that? And they said, yeah, has God really said that? And they began to listen to the wrong voice. And when they listened to the wrong voice, they began to make the wrong choice. It's important who we hear, what we allow into our heart, because, uh, hey, it's the gateway to our hearts. 
And if we position ourselves like the children of Israel did to listen to the 10 spies who had a bad report, it'll set up residence in our life. Let me just ask you, whose voice have you been listening to lately? Because let me tell you something, the devil, all he cares about is getting you to doubt God and to dull your spiritual senses. In fact, Jesus said this uh, about, about his people in Matthew 13. He said, the hearts of the people, they've become dull of hearing. Everyone say dull of hearing. He said they've become dull of hearing. Now that word dull means sluggish, lazy, pardon me, stupid and slothful. The people have become dull of hearing. They've become spiritually lazy. They've become uh, desensitized to the priority and the importance of the word of God in their life. They've become slothful spiritually. And as a result, their spiritual hearing has become dull. They cannot hear. And and, and once you get to that place, guess what? The devil has you right where he wants you. And sin and Satan, their effort and their endeavor is to dull our spiritual senses. So we cannot hear the word of God in our life. Somebody say, Lord, open our ears to hear. Lord, don't let, the, don't let me become dull of hearing. Let me tell you, that's the biggie with the devil. He'll do whatever he can. He'll say, he'll, let me tell you something. He will bless you. He will, uh, what? He will provide blessing into your life. I'm not talking about God. That, that he will position you and he will use good things to dull your spiritual sensitivity. Some people get so blessed that they, oh, I don't have time to read the Bible. Oh, got you right where I want you. So wherever we are, we've got to understand that the enemy of our soul is trying to dull our spiritual senses and keep us from hearing the word of faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. And if we're not open to hear, if we've got all clogged up spiritually and we can't hear the voice of God and we can't read the word of God and begin to digest God's word in our life, we cannot stand fast in the faith. Because if we don't stand fast in the faith, according to the Galatians, hey, we'll get back into bondage. Are you with me? Say amen. So it's hearing the word of faith, and then that leads us to the next thing, uh, is speaking the word of faith in our life. We've got to speak the word of faith. In fact, this is just the natural progression. And you'll see this in Scripture. Uh, you, it's what comes out of the abundance of what? The hearts, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if our, if our heart is full of doubt and fear, what, are, what comes out of our mouth? If our heart is full of faith based upon us hearing the word of God, what comes out of our mouth? Faith. And so the first part is huge. If you don't have the word of God living and abiding within you and you're not trusting in God's word, it's going to be hard to speak words of faith. In fact, the Bible says this about, and I'm, you know, people say, Pastor, are you a positive confessionist? Well, I'm certainly not a negative confessionist. I don't believe you can just blab it and grab it, but I believe when you get the word of God in you, it comes out of your mouth. And, and the proverb writer in Proverbs 18 21 warned us, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can speak life or you can speak death. And where does that come from? What's inside our hearts. And so it's so important in this stead, being steadfast in the faith to position ourselves in a place of 
spiritual hearing to watch and, and stand fast in the faith and stay open and receptive and not allow sin and Satan to dull our spiritual senses to where we can't hear what God's saying to us because if you can't hear it, you can't speak it. And that's so important that we learn that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, let me give you three ways we speak the word of faith. Here we go. The first one is just declaration. Everyone say declaration. I love this. There's so many verses and passages of Scripture. Matthew chapter 8 is a phenomenal one. You can write this down. I'll tell you the story. It's the story of the centurion who had, a, had one of his, his uh, key uh, uh, servants that was sick, deathly sick. And, and the centurion came to Jesus and said, and, and told him, my, my centurion, pardon me, my, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Man, that's a deal. Jesus said, I'll just come. And this centurion said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. But I know something. I know that if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And there's not many times where, where somebody, humanity said anything that would just get Jesus all blown away. But Jesus was officially blown away by this centurion. He whirled around. He said, did you hear that? This is Pastor Sam's paraphrase. Did you hear what he just said? He said that he knew that if I just speak the word, that my servant would be healed. Did y'all hear that? Yeah, we heard that. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I've not heard such great faith, not in all of Israel. This man knows something about the power of the spoken, declared word. Oh my goodness. So we hear the word, but then we got to move to the next level. If we're going to stay stable and be steadfast in the faith, we got to begin to declare the word. Somebody say, declare the word. We got to begin to speak it. Oh, we got to declare the word. What's been coming out of your mouth? Oh man, there's so much more. Let me give you some more. I got a long time here to, t- to kill. I got, I got 20 something minutes to kill here. Let's do it. Matthew 17, Jesus said to the disciples, uh, let me just tell you, if you have enough faith, you can just say to this mountain you just say it everyone somebody say say it so it's the power of the declared word of God in our life it's not only what we hear but what we say and what we declare out of our life. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 13, he says, since we have the same spirit of faith, he said this, we believe, therefore we speak. That's a process. Don't try speaking before you believe it. Hear the word of God, begin to believe the word of God, begin to lean on the word of God. Let me tell you something. The word of God is a sure foundation for you to stand on. You can trust the word of God. He is, hey, he, hey, let all men be a liar, but let me tell you something. God who cannot lie, his word is true. You can stand on the word of God. It's not what you say, it's what he said. I believe what he said. And you begin to stand upon the word of God, believe the word of God, then you begin to declare the word of God. And you're not declaring your will, you're declaring his will. Amen? I believe, therefore I speak. And then of course Luke 6, I've already quoted it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You get your heart filled with faith and you begin to speak. Everyone say, hear the word. Everyone say, speak the word. 
And then the third part, an important element. Oh, let me finish. I, I said declaration. Hey, I'm, I'm about to move past two important things. How do we speak the word of faith? It's just declaration. Number two is powerful intercession. Yeah, and we talked about this already. I won't hit it long. Mark 11, Jesus is talking about prayer. A lot, of, a lot of people think that Jesus has given, given us a blank check theology. It's not, it has nothing to do with a blank check theology. When he said, have faith in God, then he says, if you, if you, if you believe God and trust him, and you'll have whatever you say. But then he, the third part, he says, therefore, when you pray, believe that the things that you pray for, you receive, and you will have them. What he's teaching there is not a blank check theology where all you got to do is say, Lord, I just thank you for, for you know, a million dollars. Oh, there you go. We've got to have a million dollars. If that worked, I would be a gazillion heir right now. It's not that, it, he's not teaching blank check theology. He's teaching when you pray, you've got to have faith in God. And when you get faith in God, it'll move you closer to the place of prayer. He's marrying those two thoughts. And so, how do we speak the word of faith? We declare it and we pray it. We pray it. We intercede and we trust God and we thank Him for it at the place of prayer. And that leads me to the third way we speak the Word of God, not just bold declaration and, and powerful intercession, but wonderful adoration of God. Let me tell you something. Praise and worship is the language of faith. The more you believe God, the more you're going to want to praise God. Come on, somebody say amen. If most of us are just whining and complaining to the Lord and we're not praising and worshiping Him, it's because we really are not moving in a, a level of faith that God would have us move in. In fact, the Bible over and over, illustrations, Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they're in jail. And what do they do in the midnight hour? Do they cry out to God and say, Oh Lord, deliver us from these evil hands. Do they bind the devil? We broke the devil who has put us in prison? No. Do they whine and complain and fear and doubt? No. They are in about the midnight hour. They had no understanding other than potentially they were going to lose their life in the morning and and they were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Oh, they were releasing the word of the Lord over their life. My thoughts are, this is just Pastor Sam's divine imagination. I kind of see them singing the doxology. Most of you probably don't even know what the doxology is. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him, help me. Above ye heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I just, that's just my divine imagination. And when, when heaven heard Holy Ghost, I think that's when the Holy Ghost said, I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> and the whole prison doors open wide. Oh my Lord, that mercy, Jesus. Somebody say, Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, it's a declaration of God's word. We pray it, we declare it, and we worship him, and we declare it in the heavenlies. And it brings great liberty in our life. It's what we hear and what we say. But then number three, it's what we do with what we hear and what we say. And this is where a lot of people bail out. But we, it's, it's, it's not only speaking the word of faith, but acting on the word of faith. Getting into action. Somebody say action. I wonder why they call the book of Acts, Acts. Just a thought. They didn't call it the book of meditations. They didn't call it the book of faith. It's the book of Acts. 
It's the church being born into faith and then going into... Y'all are getting good. I'm going to give you one more chance to make that a little better. It's not a book of of meditation. It's not just a book of faith. It's, it's It's a book about the church getting born into faith and then going into... Oh, y'all are good. You're getting better. It's action. It's moving uh, forward in faith based upon what we believe in our hearts. What we've been hearing from Jesus who shared with us and what we've been believing and trusting in, what we've been declaring, and now we're going to put it into practice. We're going to act on what we've been hearing and we're going to begin to act on what we've been saying and we're going to get busy putting feet to our faith. And if you do this, listen, you'll find yourself, as Paul instructed the Corinthian church, to be steadfast in the faith. You've got to put it into play. In fact, oh, there's so much here. I've got, I got more than 15 minutes. Let's do it. Hey, go back to Matthew 9. Let me show you this. In fact, if you just want a, you want a great uh, uh, chapter to meditate on about faith, meditate on Matthew chapter 9 because there's three or four illustrations where it talks about faith. And the first one uh, is this, a paralytic lying on his bed. And they brought him to Jesus. They brought this paralytic, uh, and they brought him to Jesus, verse 2. And when Jesus saw their faith, he saw something. What did he see? Somebody going into action. Hello? They put him on a bed, they brought him from wherever he was to where Jesus was, and when Jesus saw their faith, what did he do? Miracles began to take place. He said, son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes, they griped and complained about that and didn't understand it. And he said, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. What happened? Some people showed Jesus by their actions their faith. Look at verse 22. It's about the woman with the issue of blood. One of my favorite stories. woman had spent all she had on this issue of blood all her life. She, she, she uh, struggled with it. But this is, a, this is such a powerful illustration. And she spent all she had. But she began to hear undoubtedly that Jesus was a healing Jesus. And that Jesus would supernaturally heal people. And she said to herself something. What she had been hearing and witnessing through the ministry of Jesus set up resonance in her heart. And catch this, she did number two. She said to herself, she spoke faith to herself. Have you ever had to do that? You ever had to give yourself a good talking to? Some of you need to give yourself a good talking to. If you don't, I, I can if you need me to. But she evidently looked in the, in, and they didn't probably have mirrors back then. She looked into the mirror of her life and said, hey, self, quit whining and complaining about your condition." Quit whining and complaining about all the money you spent to no avail. Get up because, listen, if you can just touch the hem of his garment, you will be healed. That's what she said to herself. Self, you've got to go into action. You've got to get up and touch his garment. This woman got up and began to act on her faith, and she reached out and touched him. And the Bible says, in one of the, uh, maybe one of the other Gospels, that virtue left Jesus' body, and he felt uh, the healing virtue of God leave his body. He turned around and said, who touched me? And the more, the more uh, sensitive disciples said, oh, come on, Jesus, everybody's touching you, brother. You, uh, who touched you? Come on. Everyone wants a piece of you. Come on now. He said, no, somebody touched me in faith. 
And the little woman, it was I. And he said, woman, let me tell you something. Catch this. Your faith that you put into action today has made you whole. She acted on her faith. Verse 29, I think it's some, uh, some blind guys. Now, I love this one, the blind guys. They hear of Jesus. They hear the same thing. They may have heard the, the, all the hoopla with the woman with the issue of blood. And these blind guys, you've got to get the picture. I've kind of got a vivid imagination. Here's how they went into action. They start hollering out to Jesus and stumbling through the crowd blind. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. Oh, oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. Je- boom, they're just, they think, I, I don't care what I bump into I don't care how stupid I look I'm getting to him and Jesus saw their faith and their actions and he healed them so you got to hear the word you got to speak the word and then you got to act upon the word come on and how many of you believe those are three important aspects of standing fast in your faith you got to act upon it. Peter walking on the water, Matthew 14. I love this story. Everybody gets on to him for sinking. Well, what about the other 11 sissies still in the boat? And, and it's interesting to me, they said it's Jesus. And Peter had enough common sense to say, if it is you, you just speak to me. There it is to come. And I know if I hear your voice, I can walk on the, he wasn't walking on the water. He was walking on the word of God. And Jesus said, come. Peter said, I got it. And he stepped out of the boat and he began to walk on the water. And the only time he began to sink when he got his eyes off of Jesus and got it on the waves. But he, he walked on the water. He stepped out of the boat and went into action. Oh, I got a word from God. Come on now. Some of you are waiting for all the the stars to line up before you get out of your boat. You're waiting for everything to be just perfect before you... That's what faith is about, okay? If 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 you're waiting for a perfect situation to obey Him, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life. It's when things don't look good that God speaks to us. Come on, get in, get out on the water. Come on, it's time to start walking on the water. It's time to get into action here. You can't just sit on the sideline and say you believe it. You gotta start doing it amen my lord we've got to act on it read hebrews 11 think about stephen and acts it says he was a man full of faith and he did wonders and signs among the people you see, listen, we're not men of faith that we start acting on it and seeing god do miracles through our lives Hello? Turn around and touch somebody and say, it's time in the name of Jesus. Come on, tell somebody. It's time we walk. It's time for us to begin to act on what we believe in the name of Jesus. It really is. Hebrews 11, by faith, by faith, by faith, they did all these things. By faith, they subdued kingdoms. By faith, they, they, they quenched the, the, the fire. By faith, they shut the mouths of the lions. They got out in the middle of the world and they let their faith loose. Oh, preacher, pray for me. 
I'm in the middle of a jam. Preach and pray for me. My boss doesn't like me. Oh, my goodness. It's terrible in my workplace. Well, we can round up some lines for you if you'd like. Or some people to cut you in half with the sword if you'd rather like something a little more defining about your faith. Hello? It's by faith. By the acts of faith. Read James 2. Some people say it's my faith. Some people say it's my works or my actions. And what does James say? I'm going to show you my my faith by what I do. It's not by what I say only. It's by what I do. That's what validates my faith. It's time we stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Amen. You got to hear the word of faith. You got to speak the word of faith. Declare it. Pray it. And praise it. Give him praise for it. You got to act on it. We've got to. We got to go into action. And today, by the way, if you think about Vacation Bible School, we've prayed for vacation. Thank you, Connor, for praying for Vacation Bible School. But now we've got to go into action. We've got to put feet to our faith. And find the little children. Let the little children come unto Jesus right here at, at Church on the Rock tonight and Monday night, Tuesday night. And oh, by the way, Wednesday night. And we're not having our small groups Wednesday night but because we're having our big finale. And you'll get to see people who have been saved. And it'll be a great opportunity to everybody come out. Oh, I don't need to go. It's vacation Bible school night. No, it's a celebration of what God has done in the little children's life. And so everybody's going to be here. We're going to fill it up on Wednesday night. We're going to celebrate the goodness of God. And we're going to see God do amazing wonders amen hallelujah amen it's time we act upon our faith amen now let me just share some things with you about fail proofing your faith in the next eight minutes because Jesus looked at Peter and he said I prayed for you that your faith fail not in fact Paul told Timothy about a couple of guys. They had let the enemy undermine their faith. And it says they suffered shipwreck in their faith. How many of you don't want to suffer shipwreck in your faith? I said, how many of you don't want to suffer shipwreck with your faith? We've got to fail-proof our faith where our faith fails us not and where we stand strong and we stand fast in the faith. So let's go through these quickly. Here we go. How do I fail-proof my faith? Number one, I, I take ownership of my faith. And I've already read so many passages of Scripture, but Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, uh, For by grace we are saved through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. In other words, God's given us a gift and a, a faith. In Romans chapter 12, I believe, it says he's allotted to everyone a measure of faith. What did he tell the woman with the issue of, of blood? Your faith made you whole. Not my faith, I'm just on my way. Your faith made you whole. It's time we take ownership of our faith and realize, hey, if you've got an issue, how many of you ever had an issue? Pastor, i got some issues. I need help with my issues. Well, how about standing up in faith and taking ownership for 
your issue and begin to believe God and trust God and believe his word and quit doubting him and quit listening to the voice of fear and doubt and start listening to the voice of faith, the hearing of faith in your heart. Let the word of God build your faith and stand up and say, I'm going to let my faith arise. Amen. You've got to take ownership of your faith. And it's good to agree together with other people, but listen, it's, it's an agreement of faith. It's, let me just be honest. It's hard for a man of faith to pray for someone of doubt. You've got to have enough faith to say, okay, I'm going to pray. You know, in fact, it, hey, if you struggle, be like the one in the, in the Bible that said, Lord, I believe, just help the areas where I don't believe. And be honest about where you are, but you've got to take ownership. It's your faith that God's given you, and he wants you to be responsible for it. That's number two. Take responsibility for the growth of your faith. You see, Jesus, in dealing with his disciples, you know, many different times, bless their heart, he would say, where is your faith? Do you have any faith? Come out, come out wherever you are. Oh, ye of little faith. You know, I came, Connor will testify to this. We came from northeast Texas, and there's a little, there's a little place out in the middle of between Quitman and Gilmer called Little Hope. That's the name of the little community. And of course, there's a Little Hope Baptist Church. I would not join that church. Even if I lived in Little Hope and was a Baptist. In fact, I'd become the mayor and I'd change the name of the town. Great hope. Big hope. Those folks need to take responsibility out there in little hope. And we've got to take responsibility for our faith. The disciples, one day, they finally woke up and they didn't know quite how to do it. They didn't, know how, they didn't quite understand, hear the word, speak the word, and act on the word. So they just came to Jesus and said, Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. Slap me here. He'll do something. Give me, lay hands on me. Prophesy. Do something. Just increase my faith. I need it right now. (laughs) What were they doing in their own little way? They were taking responsibility and realizing I've got to move out in the faith that God's given me. And it's got to grow. I can't be little faith all my life. I've got to be great faith. It's amazing to me, some of the people who weren't really following Jesus, Jesus said great faith, and the disciples, he kept rebuking them for their lack of faith. Sometimes people out in the world have more faith in God than the people in the church. I don't understand that, but that's the way it seems a lot of times. So, hey, guess what? We've got to take ownership. We've got to take responsibility if we want to fail-proof our faith. Number three, we've got to take every opportunity to use our faith. And we defer it all the time. People tell us things, oh, and things happen in our life, and so we call somebody else to try to, to try to jump on their faith bandwagon. But uh, Jesus tried to teach his disciples in Luke chapter 8. They were in the boat. They were on their way across the sea, and Jesus went fast asleep, and the storms came. The winds began to rise. The waves got crashing over into the boat and the disciples were sore afraid. And they they woke Jesus up and they said, 
Jesus, Jesus. Don't you care? They, they prayed Pentecost. Jesus, Jesus. We need you, Lord Jesus. Well, don't you care that your servants are perishing today? They were trying to appeal to his mercy. And he woke up, rolled over, and he said, well, where's your faith? Come out, come out wherever you are. You want me to bail you out all the time? Are you going to take every opportunity? And you know what Jesus was doing? I don't know if this is true, but it's my divine imagination going to work again. He's laying there. He's going. And with his little finger, he was stirring the, the storm up a little bit. <laughs> Creating an opportunity for them to use their faith. See, most of us, when we get in an opportunity, a, a bad, get in a tight spot, fear and doubt, all those voices we listen to, they start overwhelming our life. What if we've been listening to the Word of God and declaring the Word of God? Oh, just another opportunity for a miracle. Come on. Somebody stand up to the front of this boat and speak to the storm. Say, peace, be still. I'll never forget one time when I was a single young man, worked in a cabinet shop, Waxahachie, Texas, and I rode a motorcycle, and they all called me Preacher Man. If they didn't call me Preacher Man, they called me Red, because my hair, believe it or not, used to be red. And my motorcycle was parked under the covered front entry, and it began to rain. And oh, Preacher Man, you're going to get wet today. I said, I'm not worried about it. And somebody actually taunted me a little bit. You're going to get wet today. They said something about, maybe the Lord will shut it off for you. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, you stepped over the line right there. In my mind, I said, and I, I just declared it. And then when I said it, I went, you stepped way out of line right there. But I said, I will not get wet. The rain will stop. So, you ever work in a place with the, the big, you know, all the machines, everybody's, oh, it's quitting time. Everybody jumped out there, and then it was raining, man, I'm, I'm walking as slow as I could. I'm clocking out. Clack. They're all gathered up out there to watch me get wet. And I promise you this. The Lord helps people like me. I got on my motorcycle, cranked it up, and it's like God turned off the faucet. And I promise you, when I pulled out from under there, there was about 35 people standing under there going, Shazam. just a little bitty thing. In fact, the Bible says there's a great cloud of witnesses watching over us. So we need to take every... Hey, if you want to fail-proof your faith, take ownership of it. Take responsibility for it growing. Take every opportunity that comes your way to use your faith and see God do a miracle in your life. And number four, take joyously the trials that come your way because they are, my friend, just a test of your faith. 
the situations and the circumstances, the issues of life that come your way. James said, hey, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When the trials come, just embrace them and they. Hallelujah. God's fixing to show up in the middle of our stuff. Glory be to God. I embrace it. I count it all joy. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. So, most of us, when we go through issues, we're going, <laughs> But people of faith don't do that. They go, ha, 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 ha. You know what? You ought to wake your wife up in the morning. About 5 o'clock in the morning when she's snoozing, just, just get off, roll off the side of your bed, guys, and go to praying in about five minutes. Just go, ah, ha, 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 ha. Or vice versa. Wives, what are you doing? I'm counting it all joy over this issue. Because I know something. It's just a test. Tell somebody, it's just a test. Just a test. And it's going to produce something. The testing of my faith produces, ooh, endurance. Mm, could use that in our faith. So our faith grows strong. Amen? And finally, and I just want to hit this, because... This is where we're heading next Sunday. You better be here next Sunday because we're going to finish off this series talking about this, about taking our stand at the place of the fight. How many of you know we've got to keep fighting? And so number five, to fail-proof your faith, you, you've got to take seriously the conflict that you're in. The conflict we're in, hey, it's not a light, it's not just a little, it's not a, 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 a light thing. In fact, the Bible says, Jude, Jude said this, contend earnestly for the faith. Everyone say, contend earnestly. In other words, you've got to get serious about the, the conflict that's going on. And there is a conflict. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about standing fast in the fight. It's a spiritual battle that we live in. And if we fight, we win. And you can fail-proof your faith if you'll take seriously the conflict that you're in and stand fast in the faith. Like, like Paul told the Corinthians, watch, what's he doing? Keep your eyes open, brother. Don't fall asleep. Don't go slumbering because you'll become dull of hearing. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave, be strong. If you embrace the trials with great joy, knowing it's just a test, that God's working something more glorious in you than you ever dreamed, and that every time an opportunity comes, you jump out with an opportunity to act on your faith and release your faith over circumstances and situations and take responsibility for your faith growing day by day and realize it's my faith. God's given me some faith here. Well, it's just little bitty faith. Well, you just need a little it's kind of like Brill Cream. How many of you don't know what Brill Cream is? Aaron certainly doesn't know what Brill Cream is. It used to be the only hair product known to man. 
for men. And the old saying was, a little dab will do you. Because if you put more than a dab, you were a grease machine. A little dab will do you. And Jesus said, if you just had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou moved and cast into the sea. And it must obey you. It's your faith. Let's stand together this morning. We've got to stand fast in the faith. It's time we start believing God. Pastor, I'm in a storm. Where's your faith? Pastor, I'm in a mess. Where's your faith? What have you been listening to? What voices have you been listening to that has affected what's in your heart and what you say and what you do? Listen, let me just say, if you naturally fall to the negative side of life, You're not hearing God's word rightly. Because a believer who has faith, they, they began to supernaturally fall at the place of faith where they say, hey, by faith I'm going to subdue the mouth of the lion. By faith I'm going to accomplish great exploits for God. It's what you're hearing, what you've been listening to. What's been coming out of your mouth? Have you been speaking and declaring the words of faith? Some of us have been pouring gas on the fire, my friend, listen. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And how many of us have been stepping out on the water, walking on the Word of God, You know what a huge part of tithing is all about? It has, listen, it has nothing to do with your money. It has everything to do with you trusting Him to take care of His money. Oh, oh, I don't know. If I can trust him with my 10%, then how are you ever? If you can't trust him with the mammon, with the natural things, how can he ever trust you with spiritual things? Tithing is just a test of trusting him. by faith. Lord, stir up our faith today. 